Welcome to episode number uh, 310 of Category 5 Technology TV. It's Tuesday, the 27th of August, 2013. Nice to see you. Hey, folks. Well, I've got some great things on the newsroom. Uh, All right. Such as hmm, a Raspberry Pi-powered teddy bear set a free fall record for teddy bears everywhere. Wow. Amazon experienced more downtime on the weekend, and this time it affected several high-profile clients, including Netflix and Instagram. Oh. I know. Bad news. A web designer is receiving tweets like it's 1867. Hmm. I'm not sure how to take that one. Windows 8 benchmarks are banned from HW Bot benchmark records due to a time issue with Windows 8. Hmm. Oh dear. Stick around because these shows, or they're, sorry, not these shows, these stories are coming up later in the show. It's only one show. There we go. It's only one only show, one. Krista. I'm All sorry. Right. Hey, tonight, exciting stuff. The age old question is going to be answered How does Robbie get those ring looking things on his desktop? We're going to be looking at getting desktop widgets on your Linux computer, so don't go anywhere. We're going to learn all about it tonight as well. We've got your questions. Join us in the chat room, Category 5 on Freenode. We'll be right back after this. This is Category 5 Technology TV. EcoAlkalines, we believe you should be able to trust your batteries not just here, but here, here, and here. But with one exception, you should also be able to trust your batteries here. EcoAlkalines are the world's first and only certified carbon neutral battery manufactured to the highest standards of recycling and quality, without any trace amounts of harmful chemicals like mercury, lead, or cadmium. EcoAlkalines provide performance that rivals leading national alkaline battery brands at a comparable price. Find out more about the EcoAlkalines difference. EcoAlkalines.com This is Category 5 Technology TV. So good to have you here. Hey, don't forget, we've got a mobile website. Go there, m.cat5.tv. If you've got your mobile phone, your smartphone, your iPod, whatever you have, your tablet. Cool gadgets. Any of those cool gadgets, all you got to do is scan that code. Go to m.cat5.tv, and you'll have access to some really cool features that are just designed specifically for you. That sounds very cool. And mm. Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network, if it's tech, it's here, and the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. Excellent. Hey, welcome to our newly registered viewers. I know. On our website. You Do you like oranges? Folks. I love oranges. Well, Orange Man is now a member of the community, so... So, you're saying... I think you can hook like, us up. You'll just be sending us oranges... Yeah, unless it's saying. like a band thing, like it's like the blue maybe, man. What group, if he just but likes the orange. color orange? He maybe so he, he paints just likes a lot of like highlights and dances. Huh. Makes rhythm, rhythmic sounds on. Send us, send us like some tapes. PVC piping. And stuff. Some videotapes. We'd like to see it, Orange Man. Yeah, you know. Um, Greetings also, to your whole group. Yeah, welcome to uh, Moloch, Moloch, Moloch. Correct us. Both sound awesome. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Correct us by sending us an email explaining the spelling or yes. the pronunciation, and we'll have to figure that one out. Uh, big news for how Field this week has just mm-hmm. surpassed 250 weeks of being a registered viewer here at Category 5 TV. So Hi. we present him with the Bronze Crown Award on our website, Category5.tv. Lucky guy. Nice to have him uh, joining us for so long. Uh, now, How Field reminds us that he actually has been watching, get this, since episode two. Oh, so you missed episode one. Missed episode one. Well, see, that's what I had to put out episode one, folks. And then the fame that came from it that. started rolling. Oh, it was just crazy. So by episode two, we had six <laughs> viewers. Oh, my God. And How Field was that one new viewer, apparently. You don't but, remember. Well, saying. that's we, there were just we were so many you didn't it. remember. We're, well, it's it's we were thinking, you know, how did you find this show? Because oh. <laughs> it was episode two, right? Like it's not yeah. like we had this huge promotional budget and we were pushing it out over networks and they had television commercials leading up to the event. Well, nothing like that. Good news travels fast. I guess so. Yeah. So, greets to How Field. Thanks for joining us for so long. Uh, also. Active viewers on the show 
Uh, we've got uh, quite a few, actually, who have been watching for 250 weeks or more. Good Guy 98 Dave26, Slip, Nightstar, Raj, Jot, of course. Sounds familiar. A. Jameson has been watching for more than 250 weeks. Wow. Um, Lone Star. And our longest active viewer, our longest standing active viewer, is actually G-Dog, who joins us in the chat room tonight. G-Dog1985 underscore. Nice to have you uh, joining us. Has been registered on the website for the longest time out of everybody. Which is, yeah, kind of a neat thing. You can find out more about, uh, you know, all the people that are registered uh, on our site uh, by going to category5.tv and you go into members and registered viewers. And if you've got enough viewer points, your name is actually going to show up on that list as well. So get yourself registered right away. If you've been humming and hawing and watching the show and thinking, oh, I'll just do it later. That's what happened to Howe Field. He's been watching since episode two, and he didn't register until a year later. Oh, a whole year? A whole year later, right? Like November 11th, 2008. We started the show September of 2007, so. Mm, Was dilly-dallying. Yeah. It helps to, uh, because who who knows, 250 weeks from now, we could be saying greetings to you from our spaceship. (laughs) Isn't that how it goes? Okay. Let's pop backwards a little bit. So, <laughs> congratulations are Thank in order. Um, yeah. Jot in the chat room says, congratulations on the marriage and stuff. Yeah, and stuff. So, you're, let's Thanks see the bling. The you got the bling. Look at this. Look at this. Oh, it's glaring in the cameras. Um, beautiful day. We had the it privilege was, of being there, yeah. Becca and I. We kind of uh, lucked out, so. Yeah, you're... you're what happened with your videographer? I just um, a random question. Videographer didn't show up. Oh, well, you always have to have a few uh, wedding blips. In our case, it was like wedding avalanches. Um, but one of the big ones was the videographer finally got a hold of me like the day before the wedding and said, I don't have a ride to Barry. Sorry. No. And I was like, oh, well, that's good because our wedding's in Barry. So. Oops. Yeah. So so naturally, I get a hold of this guy. I was like, who is the geekiest guy I know? And I said, I am not driving to mainland China <laughs> to pick this guy up. I'm yeah. sorry. And it's I said, no, no, far. that's okay. I said, can, can we just, can we borrow your camcorder? Right. And this guy did more than that. Well, the fact is, is it's your wedding, right? And you've got, you've got to think about sound in particular, video. You, you can put a hand camera in front of somebody and just say, you know, push yeah. record and go. And, and then you get it home and you realize, oh, you can't hear anything. So Music Pro in Barry, musicproberry.com, they actually pulled through for us. I gave them mm-hmm. a call that day and said, look, Krista from the show, they know the show over there. Uh, is getting married tomorrow and has no videographer. We need to mic this thing. So we actually got a shotgun microphone, mm-hmm. and I ran a cable like all the way to the back and pushed record on a little portable uh, recorder there, and everything was just flawless. So we had a microphone way up at the front, right yeah. in front of you guys. I didn't even see it with the with yeah. the uh, squirrel tail windscreen because it was an outdoor wedding, and so right. we had to have a windscreen and all that running back to the sound. All in the size of something that fits in your pocket, and then just the camera on the stand, so everything worked out quite well. So when I, when I was done uh, recording the wedding, uh, got back, and the first thing that I did, just so you know, is that, what, what do you think I did? I don't just know. You tried to drink a couple of beers. Find my most embarrassing face <laughs> no. I made through the entire video. Well, I did that, and, and I posted it to it. Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. You remember that? No. Oh, yeah, that one. Oh. Yeah, yeah no, I was actually just making it up. That legit actually happened. It actually happened. Yeah. She forgot already. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, what did I do? I, I <laughs> sure. put the SD cards. I, I really expected her to guess here. The chat room probably knows. I plugged the SD card into the computer. I copied the files over to the server. I added your folder which i created on the server to our nightly backup mm-hmm. and i backed it up off site so your oh, wedding oh he was being smart is backed up immediately I see where you're getting at. right cuz we've been through this where you know people who you know do favors for friends and put their camera at the wedding and film it and then accidentally delete it or right. you know hard drive crashes or something like that so that is ruled out so um so that made me think what are you doing for your backups now that you're married um and 
honestly, the first thing I thought about once I got back to work, because I've been like boycotting work for like a week and a it's half, a good idea. almost two good weeks. Good idea. Anyways, was uh, I honestly should start backing up my files better, which um, right now I have a dinosaur of an external hard drive. Um, they will actually chew through your hard drive. Oh, like yeah, dinosaurs are notorious for that. <laughs> good, good. Um, but basically, I've got nothing. That's all I have, and then I have uh, CDs that I'm I'm backed okay. up to. But I I really need some uh, some awesome externals. I want two of them, so I have one at home, one elsewhere, and I have a polo right. plug. Yeah, I'm kind of glad I asked because. Um, the you know because my thinking was okay I've got your videos now I got to get them to you yes. but if I give them to you going to and then I delete them from my system <laughs> what's going to happen to your wedding oh. video because I would, I don't want to hear from you in five years and say yeah I, well come through I put it on my laptop and all these years it's just been sitting on my laptop hard drive and I dropped it in a pool it's totally <laughs> what I sound like it was, that is totally and it's something that. I'm yeah. sure. People at home that are listening and not watching, just actually, they didn't realize that that they was They thought it speaking. was me talking. The impression was incredible. Wow. Yeah. Good at what I do, folks. Okay, so you need to... <laughs> well, what do you... Moving forward. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, let's let's pull up... Uh, you know, there's there's so many different places that we could go online. Uh, we have a store here in town called Canada Computers, which is pretty handy because they kind of have everything. And their prices are not unreasonable, usually. You, you can compare to what is out there, but mm-hmm. you can get onto their website and just kind of do a, you know, go through hard drives or whatever. I can try a search, external hard drive. Oh, they've got lots. And because I'm sure your budget is through the roof, I'm going to actually sort <laughs> highest to lowest. So they do have a Lacey drive for 1600 bucks. Is that within the budget? Oh, that's a little out of the budget. Okay. Uh, we can move down the list. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, what are you plugging into? The, the thing to consider... Yeah. <laughs> sort the other way around. Keep I did scrolling. see one for $4.99. $4.99. Not so sure about the reliability of that one. Well, no. But we'll, we'll look at that in a second. But okay, so you're plugging it into your MacBook or... Um, why the one that I have will be plugged in, yeah, to my to Mac my book. Mac, yeah. And is it, it's reasonably old? Like it doesn't have Thunderbolt Mac, or USB three. Um, it's like USB two. Yep. Okay, so USB two is four hundred eighty megabits a second. Okay. So it's pretty fast. It's way better than USB one point one. Um, then you've got USB three, which is like five gigabits a second, faster than an internal hard drive, mm-hmm. uh, as far as SATA, you know, first gen goes. Um, or you've got Thunderbolt on the Max, but so we'll just look at like a USB drive because that's really the the only option for you. USB two, USB three, USB mm-hmm. three drives are backward compatible, mm, so good you stuff. can get a USB three drive, and it's not gonna it, it's gonna work just fine. It's just gonna be at the speed of USB two, right? I'm looking. They've got like chassis here. They've got tons of different things. So with a chassis, like an external hard drive, you see how these ones are only like 40 bucks? You can buy an internal hard drive and put it inside of the chassis, which is kind of cool. Ooh, that sounds fancy. How big did you need? Uh, I'm thinking a terabyte. Terabyte. So these are generally kind of sorted by size because they get more expensive as you go up. 500 gig, 500 gig, 500 gig. Terabyte. There's our first terabyte. It's a Seagate, which is good. Seagate's going to be better than like your Western Digital. There's a Western Digital drive there for about the same price. Seagate drive for 70 bucks, and it's a terabyte external hard drive, so that sounds pretty good. USB 3, so just a standard kind of external hard drive. Specs don't really matter because it's an external, right? You're limited to the speed of the bus. Your internal hard drive, you think about, you know, is it 7,200 RPM? Is it super fast, or is it Mm -hmm. 5,400 RPM with an external because you're limited by the speed of the bus? It doesn't really matter. So so for 70 bucks times two, you get two drives, and what are you (laughs) going to do with them? What am Keep I going to do? Keep one off-site? Yes. Yes. Exactly. Good. Good plan. That's so smart. So you could you could use Time Machine to do like an incremental yep. on the, the drive that you connected. have at home. Take that one. He, here's how you would have to do it. You couldn't go get the one and bring it home to run another backup. Mm-hmm. Because then all three drives, your laptop and the two external hard drives, are now at one location. So Yes. And if, there's, if you have a fire, you're not apt to grab everything. You've right. got to get out, right? <laughs> Just as an example. So um, so what you could do is take your one hard drive to wherever it is that you are 
storing the other hard drive, mm-hmm. switch it, switch it, and then bring, bring the other that one home, one home. Update it. So you never have all three drives in one location at mm-hmm. once. So that could work really well. Does the place where you're putting it have internet? Yes. So you can put your pogo plug there. I know. Nice. So you can actually access the drive remotely. Yes. Brilliant. Sounds like a good scenario. I want an update next time that you're here. <laughs> all right. There were miraculously two fires, one in each location at the same time. No, that never happens. It could. Never happens. <laughs> it happens to be in the shed out back, you know, and whatever. So that's pretty good. 60, 70 bucks for a terabyte drive. So That does sound pretty good. Check it out. But they're just on the south end of good area, stuff. so you can just go take a look. Hey, welcome to everybody who's joining us in the chat room. Nice to see you. Good to see everybody. We've got an exciting show for you tonight, and we've got the cat phone. If you want to give us a call, get your questions in, 2545-CAT5-TV. What else have we got? That was just, just giving you a chance to, oh, to speak. To me, I don't. Look at I've, the got, chat room. I've got nothing to say. All right. There's lots of congrats coming in. That's, That's nice. nice. That's really nice. Thanks, Thanks guys. Thanks, everybody. For her, on behalf of her, thank you, Sharon. I want to say thank you uh, as well to viewers who were able to send in donations this week. We greatly, greatly appreciate that very, very much. Um, If you'd like me to remote into your system and perform any kind of service tonight uh, to help you repair something, um, we can do that live on the air using TeamViewer. So just install TeamViewer and then uh, just private message me in the chat room. It's Category 5 on Freenode. All right. Well, hey, have you ever been... Okay, you go out. Your wedding is a perfect example. Mm -hmm. Why don't I just start over? Because it makes editing so much easier. So, Krista, (laughs) your wedding just happened. You've got all these photos, Mm -hmm. right? And they're massive because everybody... You you probably invited your friends with the best cameras because they've got the best cameras. And they're huge. That's why we invited them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. People with good cameras. They just... It's how they made the list. Hey, hey... Doug, you got a good camera, right? Seems that sounds just like, like me again. I know it's amazing. Oh. You want to come to a wedding? <laughs> so you get all no, but you get this like incredible amount of photos, and they're huge yes. these days because they're digital and they're they're massive. You want to email them to mom and dad. You want to get mm-hmm. them around. And I don't know about you, but I have friends and family who adamantly refuse to use Facebook. <laughs> So, sure, I put my photos up on Facebook, and it does yeah. some scaling and everything. But there are other people that you need to email the photos to. Seems so old school. Emailing your E-mailing. photos. <laughs> what? Just, email? just email. friend me on Facebook, man. <laughs> but seriously, so you encounter that, and what do you do with these great big files that are, you know, six, seven, eight, ten megs each, mm-hmm. and you've got 20 of them? Well, you mogrify them. What? It's like modify what? with a G-R. Oh, is that a legit word? Like, I just made it up just right like well, that. I, you never know. But it's very convenient that it actually is a real thing. Oh, good. So I'm going to show you how to do this. Uh, if, this is, if this is you, then here you go. I'm going to grab a handful of pictures from last week's show's gallery. There we go. Perfect examples just because they're big photos. See how long this one takes to load? There it is. Ooh. So if I actually like zoom into full, it's, it's a pretty big photo. Right? There you go. So we want to send this photo to family and friends. Let's grab all these photos. Okay. First thing you want to do when you're mogrifying, anytime you're doing any image manipulation, what do you do, Krista? When you're, what, image? You save the original file. Yes! High five. She got a backup (laughs) question right. You have a backup. You never overwrite your original. I call them the master Mm. file. Right? Sweet. Well done. He's so okay. proud. So I am. I'm very <laughs> proud. Okay. So now I'm copying the original files so that I never edit them because I don't want to overwrite my originals. I'm going to go to my desktop, create a new folder, and we're going to just call this pictures. Go in there, paste those. Now I have a copy. They're huge. There they are. Take a moment to load because they're quite big. See that? Okay. So these are just from the photo gallery from category5.tv for episode mm-hmm. number 309. That's what these photos are, just so that I have something to use as an example. I'm going to go into my terminal because these are much too big to email to mom and dad. sudo apt-get install image magic. And magic has a K. It's all one word. What do you want to do? Do you want to go for it? Yes. This particular step 
installing image magic is only needed once. Once you've installed it, you've got it on your computer, you never have to do this step again, but then you'll be able to do what we're about to show you. So there we go, it's going through installing, setting up image magic on Linux and it's done. So I'm gonna go into CD desktop pictures. So now you see there's all my pictures. And you'll see that they are quite large in the three meg range. There's one there that's five and a quarter meg. Definitely not gonna be able to send this folder. So what I can do is I can now type mogrify, and I have that command now because I've installed image magic. Mogrify dash resize, and then pick a, for, a, a, a format, a size that is reasonable for email, let's say 640 by 480. Those are gonna be your maximums. It's not gonna stretch it's going to simply maximize those, that's as big as it's gonna be. And I'm gonna say star because it's gonna grab all of the images or I could also say star.jpg but then if I have a JPG uppercase then it's not gonna get it. So we'll just do star and hit enter. And you'll see what happens now is that each photo is just gonna disappear for just a moment because it's rewriting each one of those photos. And now if I click on that file, it's already done. That's as quick as it is, this is the quickest tip ever. Double click on that file, look at that. Click, click, click. Way faster. Way faster. And you'll notice that the photos are now, that one's 640 by 411. It's proportional. So it maximized to 640 pixels wide, but did not stretch to 480. However, I've got one here of Hillary that is a vertical photo instead of horizontal. And you'll notice that it maximized to a height of 480 pixels and uh, 447 pixels width. So that is a fantastic tool for being able to send these photos to your family and friends. Now that entire folder is only 1.8 megabytes. Wow. With all those photos. So Mogrify and it's a part of Image Magic with a K. Cool. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Thanks for joining us tonight. Our website is www.category5.tv. I'm Robbie Ferguson. I'm Krista Wells. Welcome. Well, shall we <laughs> jump right into it? Or? Oh, is this that age-old question? Yeah. The age-old. What could the when question be? Well. Did you forget already? No, I know what it is. Oh. I just, I think it's... They can't respond. I, well, I know. Well, <laughs> I can't be brilliant at everything. Well, yeah, we're no, looking well, at... Since, well, I'll back up a little bit, but remember when you came and, and we did the hacker episode. We call yes. it the hacker episode where we kind of dressed a little goofy and we dimmed the lights and made everything green. And yeah. and one of the things that I did is I made my computer look kind of cool by installing um, some desktop widgets. Yes. And since then, I liked them, so I just left them there and I get a, a fair number of email. And people saying those are so cool. So, people saying, oh, how do I get that? What is that, Conky? Can I have that? I installed Conky and I can't get it. So tonight we're going to actually show you how to uh, uh, obtain those kinds of things on your desktop. Cool. If you're running Linux, this is for you. If you're running Windows or Mac, you can switch. There is hope for you yet. It'd be nice. All these things are free. And you saw, <laughs> you saw how easy it is to install things on Linux. It's a simple, quick command or you can use a, a package manager and it's easy, easy breezy. Mm-hmm. So a couple of things that we need to start out with, of course, we want to install things that are not just attractive and cool looking, but stuff that's useful. Right. So we want to know, okay, is our hard drive almost out of space? Is our CPU sitting at 100% or is it sitting floating around 30? We want to know those kinds of things. What's right. our network traffic? Um, things like, uh, here's one, is my CPU overheating? Huh. Right. Hmm. Do you know whether your CPU is too hot? I don't. How would you know? I'll be right? honest. Using things like this, again, it becomes something that's not just attractive and cool looking, but also something that's useful because you can now access that kind of information. Cool. So speaking of being able to monitor temperatures, the first thing that we need to do is install something called LM sensors. So we're going to go sudo apt-get update. That's going to load your package list, brand new and fresh. And then we're going to go sudo apt-get install is the command. Notice I'm doing this from the terminal because I want you to feel comfortable there. It's not a, it's not a scary place. Sudo means become super user. It's super user do is what you're doing. Sudo 
allows you to have administrator access to your computer. This is one of the reasons Linux is a lot more safe and you don't get viruses is because you're not typically running as an administrator. So sudo apt-get is this program that we're going to use in order to install this program. The command we're going to use is install. And the program that we're going to use is called lm-sensors. Hit enter. You'll see that in my system it says lm-sensors is already the newest version. Reason for that, Krista, is because this requires a reboot, and I knew that, so I just quickly installed this before the show. Okay. I still wanted to demonstrate how it's done because I know that you at home, you're probably not going to already have that configured and set up. So next step, now that we've done that, is we're going to type sudo. You remember what that does. It turns us into an administrator so that we make changes to our computer. And we're going to type sensors-detect. And what that command is going to do is it's going to detect all of the available sensors that are a part of your particular configuration. Usually it's safe just to go with the defaults. So see if I hit enter, it's going to say yes. It will check my CPU memory controllers for sensors. So let it go. It says that it found one, a digital thermal sensor on my Intel chip. Cool. All right, so now next one is super I.O. chips contain embedded sensors. Do you want to scan for those? Default is yes, so I'm going to let it do it. I'm going to hit enter. Next one, you know, keeps going and going. I don't need to read each one. You can read them if you want. But here's one that says best probably to say no. So I'm just going to, again, go with the defaults unless I know that I want to say yes. Yes, yes, yes. Checking my NVIDIA chipset, scanning for all the stuff. There we go. It's picked up one sensor there on my NVIDIA chip. Enter. Now follow a summary of the probes. Here we go. Okay, so it's found a couple of different ones that it could add to our kernel in order to allow our widgets to be able to, to monitor the thermal sensors. So do you want to automatically add that to ETC modules? Here's the one place where you're going to say the opposite of what it is defaulting to, you're going to say most likely yes. Make a note of slash etc modules and the two lines that are being added. The reason that you want to make a note of that is because if you have trouble booting your computer now after this change for some strange reason, you can now use a boot CD like a live CD, edit the etc slash modules and comment out those two lines until you figure it out. So just make a mental note, write it down on a little piece of scrap paper until you've rebooted a couple times just to know that everything is going to be safe. So once you've said yes to that question, I'm going to say no because I've already done it. It will have already done all that stuff and then you're going to reboot your computer normally or you can just do sudo reboot just like that. I don't want to do that because that's what we're avoiding. So now that I've got LM sensors installed, I can monitor my CPU temperature and those kinds of things. Sounds kind of cool. Kind of cool. So let's, uh, let's get Conky installed, first and foremost. Conky, I would say, you know, I, I have to show it because it is, you know, we almost have to pay homage to Conky being as awesome as it is. Uh, but it is a little bit more tricky to get familiar with and to learn your way around because it's a bit of a scripting language in, in some regards. So you actually have to create your own sensors or find examples online that you can, uh, that people have shared online. So, so it's a bit more, you know, it's a little more hacker-esque, if you will. Um, it's a very, uh, it's, it's very well used um, in the CrunchBang Linux community, which has that kind of hacker-ish feel to it as far as the operating system goes. Uh, I love it. You saw a review a long time ago on uh, on Category 5 TV of CrunchBang. Um, so we'll just quickly take a look at it. Not too much in depth because it is something that you're going to need to get into the scripting end of things in order to really get good at. sudo apt-get install conky, just like it sounds, C-O-N-K-Y. And here we go. It's just going to download. See, this is how Linux installs things. You don't need to go buy a CD or anything. You just get it online. So there we go. So now I can't actually do anything with Conky because I haven't got anything set up as far as widgets go. There's no GUI. There's no um, you know thing that I can bring up and just start dragging and dropping widgets onto my desktop. That's not how Conky works. But what we do have, like I said, CrunchBang is, uh, is one of the communities that uses it fairly heavily. So I've taken a look at their forum and there are a few great posts there. I'm going to go to cat5.tv slash Conky. 
And that's actually going to redirect you to the Crunchbang forums. And you'll see that here, some wonderful view, uh, users of that distribution, such as Wanderer here in one of the first posts, or in the first post, has posted the script for their configuration for Conky. And it looks really complex, doesn't it? Here's another one. Oh, hey, here's Root says, hey, I like what you did. Here's what I did. And it looks pretty overwhelming. And as a novice user, I might mm -hmm. say, whoa, that's crazy amounts of yes. work. But it's not. Because they're helpful here. <laughs> I'm going to show you what you do. It's really not that complicated. What you would do is, well, first of all, I'll show you what we can't do yet. I'm going to run Conky. I'm going to minimize everything. I'm going to just type in Conky. Oh, and you'll see uh, I do have a configuration file. All right. I need to clear out the configuration. I was doing some testing before. But what we'll do, all right. If, if you haven't run Conky before and haven't set up any scripts, it's going to actually just, it might just crash out. It might do nothing. It might give you some kind of, you know, a little bit of gibberish like I had there. But what you can do with these configurations is now I can just simply copy any of this text, so, or the whole script. See what I'm going to do is just highlight this script here. Copy that to my clipboard. And in my home folder, I'm going to create a new file. And we're going to call it dot, because it's a hidden file, conky rc. Just like that. And then hit enter. And you'll see I've already got one there, and that's why it was showing something up. Let's see if I can, you know what, I'm just going to delete the original one, and then I can do this correctly. <laughs> Conky RC, there it is. And then I can backtrack mm. just a little bit. <laughs> there we go. Beautiful. Thanks. <laughs> All right. So what I can't do with Conky here, if I run it, okay, so it's giving me some kind of a default here, and it's... But there's no, there's no configuration, and it's just running the default kind of settings. Using the scripts that are here on this forum post, just as an example, I can copy what other people have accomplished with Conky, highlight, copy, and now go into my home folder, make a new file, and I'm going to call it .conkyrc. That's the Conky configuration file and open that file in your favorite text editor I'm using Pluma it might be gedit and simply paste in what you copied from the uh, the forum there at cat5.tv slash conky and now I can close everything and now when I run conky with the simple command conky and I can add that to my startup applications you'll see that okay well now things have changed it's actually using someone else's cool configuration that they've made and it's added this nice panel on the right hand side. You'll see the conky is a little bit more text driven than what I would go with mm -hmm. uh, because we're not going for you know the little tiny text. It's it's very very functional, very very useful. Does it look as cool? Well yeah, we kind of want that flare factor of uh, you're a graphic designer so you probably want like the you know the 3D want to look a little jazzy. It, yeah, a little bit nicer than just <laughs> plain text and text ASCII kind of bar graphs kind of mm -hmm. thing. So that's kind of just conky at a at a real quick glance. I'm going to kill it by kill all dash 9 conky and it's off my screen now. Next up in our tutorial, this is the one that we actually used on the show, uh, Krista and I, for our hacker episode, and you've seen it on my screen ever since then. I'm going to go sudo apt-get install screenlets. The application is called screenlets. And do we want to install? Yep. Just check that it's not going to remove anything that's critical. And so it goes through the internet and finds all the files that it needs in order to install this particular widget daemon. There we go. Almost there. And it's done. Wow, that was pretty quick. It is, it is. Okay, so this one, I can run it from the terminal if I want, but in fact, I've got a helpful little tool installed on my accessories menu now. Mm -hmm. And I can click on that. And you'll see that this one comes with all these great, cool, funky little things. So, for example, if I want a calendar, I can click on Clear Calendar, and I can click over here. This is how this one works. You highlight the one that you want, and then go Start, Stop. So when I click that, you'll see, boom, 
there's a calendar and I can drag it around my screen and you'll see that it's on top of my screen so let's say I want my calendar to be up there so once I've got it where I want it now I'm gonna right click on it and go uh, well I can go window and I'm gonna set three things I'm gonna go widget so that it now is something that can't be moved uh, well it, it isn't locked but it's it's a widget now it's not an application that's running mm -hmm. on top of everything right click again and go window sticky so that it will kinda lock itself to the to the desktop and then window lock that's the final one and of course there happens to be keep above is checked I'm gonna actually change that to keep below because we want it under everything so now I can't move it when I click if I move stuff around it goes over top of it and it's a part of my desktop I can right click on it I can stylize it a little bit I can go theme and I can go no background and now it's just a part of my desktop and it looks pretty cool, cool as far as the calendar goes it's interactive so I can actually change the month and year and all that kind of stuff okay so next up you know if you're on a laptop you can add battery monitoring for example I have no battery so that's what it tells me. Oh, that's so helpful. Yep, just in case <laughs> I didn't know. Uh, you know, all these handy little things I don't need to go through because you're going to want to uh, click through and, and check out some of the widgets that are mm -hmm. there for you. Um, but the one that everybody, you know, comes and emails me about and says, how did you do that, is the, uh, what do they call it here? It's called the ring sensor. So with ring sensors, we're able to create this really really cool effect. I'm going to show you how to do this. So highlight ring sensors here and now we're going to start it. And you'll see that it's just thrown a CPU monitor up at the top there which I can drag around. So I'm going to bring it over here and drop it onto my desktop and I'm going to right click on it and I can do those same things. Window, widget, window, sticky, window, lock, window, keep below. So now it's part of my desktop, can't be moved, doesn't appear to be you know interactive in any way it's just part of the de the desktop now I'm gonna right click on it again and I can change things like the size which I'll show you in a few moments I can go properties and make changes to what sensor it's using so right now it's showing me my first CPU core you might want this to be RAM so now it's showing me my RAM for example. So you can change all those kinds of settings. So let's leave that one at RAM and now I'm going to in fact click over here and go launch slash add making sure that ring sensors is still selected. So when I click that it's going to add a second ring selector onto my screen. There you go. So now I've got access to that. So now I can move this one over and you'll notice that they look exactly the same. I don't want that. I want them to be different. So I'm going to right click and go window uh, let's leave window for now. Let's go size and we're going to change this one to 60% so it's a little bit smaller. And put it wherever we want and say, okay, well that's what it looks like. Okay, no, let's make it a little bit bigger than that. We'll go size and we'll go 80%. And we'll, we're going to drop it right there. Right click and go properties, options, sensors, and change your sensor to, you know, whatever you want. CPU temperature. We think that's pretty cool because we've installed our LM sensors now and if it works, if it goes there we go 60 degrees doesn't really work in that particular size and we might have trouble with that one just because of the way that it's laying out the text so it's not perfect in in any stretch but cool nonetheless I'm sure that we can make some changes to it if we had a bit more time and wanted to play around with it but for now you know I'll pick one that works really really well um, and you can see even I can even see the temperature of my GPU so that was the CPU and I've just changed it to GPU core and I'll be able to see that as well. There it is. See that looks a little better. NVIDIA GPU. Okay so I can right click on that. Let's pretend that that's what we want. Properties, options, sensors and let's change the front color of this particular sensor to be you know let's say red and the text color we'll leave it at white. Ring thickness make it a bit thicker just so that there's some differentiation between the different sensors. Let's see how that goes. And we can also, again, as we're waiting, there it goes, I can add another one. And so I'm putting these all over the desktop and I can set them to be whatever I want them to be. Here's another one. And let's, you know, we can leave this one at CPU because we don't have a CPU one yet, but let's change the front color to green. 
and change the ring thickness to uh, pretty thick. Let's do 40. There we go. And now we've got this cool thing. So now we're going to lock these ones to the to the des desktop as well. Widget, window, like right-click on the widget, window, lock, and send it to the back. And we'll do the same thing for this one over here. Makes me look like I'm using a lot of CPU to do this, eh? Don't it's worry. running pretty You're, high. Yeah, your system won't do that. That's because uh, of our desktop uh, broadcasting system. We're actually streaming this desktop over the network to Wirecast, which is really cool to be able to do that. So there you go. Cool. Um, and there's all these other widgets that you can play with. I suggest that you give it a go. You know, check out some of the meters that are there. Um, being able to, you know, put these things anywhere, move them around your desktop, and then lock them. Uh, and then, of course, with Ring Switcher, you know, highlight that and say, I want to auto start this on login. And calendar, we added that one as well. So let's also auto start that one. And now when we first boot up our computer, it's going to look something like that. So we've got these really cool widgets that are now a part of my desktop. I can't drag them. I can't accidentally move them. They're not highlightable or anything. They are literally a nice little portion of my That's desktop. Nice. So That's a good feature too, not be able to accidentally select them and drag yeah, and them. And it would happen. It would absolutely yeah. happen. So. Yeah. Very cool. Cool stuff. So check out our website, category5.tv. And if you have any questions for us, or if there's anything that you want to learn, just pop us an email live at category5.tv. Awesome. There you have it. All right, you ready? Oh, am I ready? Time for the top stories from the category5.tv newsroom. Just a well. <laughs> With that buildup. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. So, a soft toy controlled by Raspberry by a Raspberry Pi computer has recreated Felix Baumgartner's record-breaking skydive. Mr. Baumgartner uh, made the furthest freefall in October of 2012 from a balloon almost 39 kilometers, which is 24 miles high. Yeah, I remember that. Um, a bear called Babbage has now leapt from a similar height after ascending beneath a hydrogen-filled balloon. The Raspberry Pi low-cost microcomputer inside Babbage transmitted his posi position and shot stills and video throughout the flight and descent. The Raspberry Pi inside the bear and his cradle switched from stills to video to record the moment when the toy fell off the computer off the cradle, sorry, and started its descent. On the Babbage flight, the pie inside the bear's body logged altitude, shot footage, and transmitted it back to the ground. It also constantly broadcast the craft's location so the flight could be mapped and the pioneering toy retrieved. Many people follow the flight online via the streaming video feed sorry, via the streaming video feed sent back by Babbage. I wish I could have a pie what a cool little bear. inside my belly that sends pictures. Like a Google Glass. Like beware. a cherry pie. Cherry, blueberry, whatever, whatever. raspberry, whatever. <laughs> For those of you who are listening and don't get the visuals, Raspberry Pi referring to that little micro kind of credit card sized yeah. computer. Because they come up with ridiculous names. Yes, That's and they're silly. all food related usually. That's silly. That's cool. That's kind of fun as a, a hobbyist thing. Unfortunately, I couldn't post a lot of pictures. I'd love for you to see the pictures. Get onto Google or whatever your favorite search engine is and search for the guy uh, who actually sent this up. Unfortunately, he made the mistake of when he posted all the pictures on Flickr, he marked them as all rights reserved. Oh. So be careful. We need to have a lesson for you yes. on how to use Flickr so that things are Creative Commons or... <laughs> otherwise distributable so that I can post pictures. But it's a cute little teddy bear. And he sent it up into the stratosphere, yes. and then it plummeted. Down. Was he safe? It was Did fine. it say if he's the okay? Teddy? He was yeah. fine, yeah. I saw all the pictures. They're, oh, okay. on, they're on Flickr, but so, yeah, can't, he's got can't them. show them on the show. Ears and feet intact. Yeah, everything's Good intact, stuff. and the pictures are great. Uh, taking pictures all the way down and went up further than... Than the guy who did it last Take year. Take that. <laughs> yeah. Teddy, oh, be by beaten a by teddy a teddy bear. bear. <laughs> How unfair is that? So unfair. Well, better luck next record. time. There he is. Aw, what a cute little... Well, I mean, it's his back. Well, it's so. his back, but there's the computer. <laughs> and the, I guess, what? It looks like AA lithium batteries that they're using to power the thing. That's kind of cool. But neat that they were able to get loads and loads of pictures. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that as well. Cool. 
Well, there have been some software problems at Amazon, and it has now knocked out several high-profile websites, including Instagram, Netflix, Vine, Airbnb, and several other services. Uh, They were all reported being down. Oops. Nobody could get through to the services late on Sunday. All of them rely on servers provided as part of Amazon's cloud services, and the problems were traced to a data center in Northern Virginia that was struggling to keep up with the load. After the problems were resolved, Amazon simply said that the glitch was caused by a partial failure. This is a quote, partial failure of a networking device. And that's all they said. Wow. It's very descriptive. Leave it up to speculation. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It was just a partial failure. It wasn't a complete failure. It's not a big deal. It's like me. Not a complete failure. failure. (laughs) The short-lived problems come less than a week after Amazon North America's web store was in fact down for about 30 minutes. Hmm. Can't buy a lot of stuff if your store is down. I wonder if that affected us. Did anybody have any trouble getting onto our website on uh, Sunday? Ah. Because our website is uh, majorly intertwined with uh, Amazon. Yep. And incidentally, on Saturday, Sunday is when I mm-hmm. had transitioned some of the video distribution. So I'll ah. bet you we took out their data center. It's happened before. <laughs> Not on Amazon. Boy, oh boy, could you imagine the scale of the data that would have to be going through there in order to t- take down someone as big as Amazon? Well. I mean, Netflix is using them to power their service. Mm-hmm. Netflix. So that's got to tell you something about the scale of this yeah, outage. Yeah, no kidding. Huge. Huge. I think, well, though, if, if at least if our website was down on a day like that, mm-hmm. and then people go onto Netflix and Amazon and I- Instagram and realize, oh, everybody's down, yeah. then they think it was themselves. Right. Yes. <laughs> oh, must be a Oops. DNS problem. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, yeah. what else have we got? Oh, this one's Ooh, interesting. Cool. Oh, that does look cool. There are ticker tape machines. Um, They were invented in 1867 and were used to print stock market data arriving via telegraph. Some of the original machines are now considered to be high-value antiques. Mm -hmm. A web developer from Cumbria has built a modern version of a 19th century ticker tape machine which prints out tweets requiring no ink (laughs) and no computer. So cool. Pretty cool. Web developer and history enthusiast Adam Vaughn created his own version of the antiquated device which taps into Twitter and prints out tweets as they are posted. He says the Twitter tape device has built fr- uh, was built from scratch using secondhand parts from clocks and other sources. The wooden base hides a thermal printer and a microcontroller. <laughs> the device connects over Ethernet and checks for new tweets on his account every 30 seconds, but he hopes to eventually add support for printing based on hashtags or multiple accounts. That'd be neat. I hear that's that. pretty cool. I would much rather read. Not that I have my Twitter yeah. set up, but it'd be so cool. What are you doing? Oh, just reading my. Let tweets. me check. Yeah. yeah, I wonder how much paper you would go through on a popular channel. Yikes! Let's hope that you don't. That's you know, pretty cool though. Like all of a sudden, get tons and tons of people using your hashtag. That's kind of neat though, <laughs> and I wonder how long it's going to take before they show up something like that on Warehouse 13. Like, doesn't it yeah. look like something that you know they could they could easily use in that? Cool stuff. I think that's pretty neat. I'd buy one. I would definitely Just buy saying. one if it was for sale. Yes. For a reasonable price. Like $20. $20. Nineteen ninety-five. <laughs> and we'll throw in this Ginsu knife. <laughs> Say no to Windows 8. I simply well, just read the picture. I figure that's probably... No. Isn't that your slogan? That is what Germany is saying oh, this week. But not us. on another story, <laughs> popular benchmarking site, hwbot.org has in fact banned Windows 8 records from its benchmarks. They've also discredited previously submitted benchmarks after noticing an issue with the way Windows 8 tells time. The simplest thing in the world. <laughs> the real-time clock in your computer, you may or may not know this, it's a chip built into your motherboard. It's powered by a little battery, so if the power goes out or you turn off your computer, the clock still keeps time. Microsoft said, eh, we're not going to go with that. We're going to build our own. Unlike software clocks, which can be easily hacked and changed by software, the hardware clock, of course, is able to keep accurate time but windows is one os to rule them all kind of mentality 
has made you know they want to bring their software windows 8 to devices which don't have hardware clocks so they built it differently when the cpu base clock frequency in software is changed after boot up here's the problem it has a huge effect on windows 8's ability to keep accurate time as an example, in their tests, having downclocked a test CPU by about 6%, Windows 8 lost 18 seconds over just 5 minutes. When overclocked, going the opposite direction, Windows 8 was 18 seconds ahead of time. Overclocking roughly 4% after only 2 minutes, they were off. Uh, Windows 8 was off by 3 seconds. And it would progressively get worse and worse so for now hwbot will block any seemingly out of line windows 8 based benchmark results and it also is blocking all windows 8 based benchmark records even if the score seems in line with expectations so there you have it Hmm. what do you think of that i just say don't you think just say no obviously Telling it's your slogan, anyways. Not that. Just say no to Windows 8. It's like the opposite of Nike. At least now we've got something to (laughs) get that printed on a t shirt. If somebody comes up to you and says, Oh, I'm thinking about switching to Windows 8, what do you think? And say, Do you like like the tell time? What time is it? You'd say, Oh, well, it's, let me check, Not my, let time. me check my phone. And they oh. pull out their phone and they say, well, it's 751. See? Mm. Is it? Because if you were running Windows 8 on that, it's not. it would be wrong. Wow. I feel See? Like my See how we twisted that story into something <laughs> that it really wasn't? Turned upside down. So just oh. say no. Right. You can get the full stories at category5.tv slash newsroom. This week, the category5.tv newsroom is researched by Roy W. Nash with contributions by our community of viewers. If you have a news story you think is worthy of on-air mention, you can email us at newsroom at category5.tv. For the category5.tv newsroom, I'm Krista Wells. Thanks, Krista. I've been, I've been working hard on developing new software. Have you? I love coding. I'm like a Your eyes coding got guy. really big. I know. Well, like when you sit down and you know when you're when you create something graphically and it feels really good to to create. Yes. So for me coding is that. Yeah. So writing programs that nobody else has done or that I'm doing better than someone else really feels like exciting to me. So I've been building new transcoders for the show and what that means mm-hmm. is that file sizes for your RSS feeds and for distribution on our website, everything is going down, but okay. quality is going up. So oh. strangely enough, you're able to get a file that is smaller, but it's better quality. So it's cool. faster downloads, better quality, less bandwidth usage and all that kind of stuff. Very so cool. I'm thinking specifically of people who are in the military and you know maybe don't have access to really good high-speed internet. And so we created a new LD transcoder which is low definition, but get this, an MP3 of the entire episode of Category 5 is about 60 megs, right? The full hour, including video and audio, being able to watch it in a quality that is reasonable enough is only 50 megs. Hmm. Ah! So anyway, so this is something that I've been experimenting experimenting with, and we're going to be seeing that over the next couple of weeks. So if you notice some changes in quality, it's probably just me tinkering around with the new transcoders. But really exciting stuff. Really exciting to uh, to see what uh, you know what what that's going to do for our viewers. I've always been working toward. We've been working on it for a couple of years now, getting the show really readily available in mainland China. It's really tough because of the Great Firewall of China, and so we have. Uh, basically created this whole system with that in the back of my mind to completely avoid any of that blockage or so everybody's going to have access to this it's going to be fast it's going to be the best that we've ever had and it's going to be just in time for season seven which is starting at the end of next month so pretty exciting and it's all content distribution so it's all done through amazon Woohoo! so hopefully they'll stay online (laughs) all the time all the time that would be helpful Hey, do we have uh, some viewer questions? I'd love to... Uh, there's a I know few we're, we're tight for time and oh, appreciate everybody who's here with us and for sending in your questions. Okay. All right, what do you got? We do have a few here. Right. Uh, question from Xavier. Hey, Xavier. Uh, it says, hi there. First of all, I would like to 
streaming a real event from a venue. I would like to stream a real event from a venue. Therefore, I would like to ask your help to find out how uh, this would work. Okay. I would like to use two different cameras and yeah. only software solution uh, acceptable for the encoding and for video mixing mm. as well. Okay. Um, I have a SAT uplink. Satellite internet. So okay. it's reasonably fast, but not very fast. So I was looking for some programs that you could use to achieve his goals. Um, says okay. SDIS video or FireWire. Okay. Shall I use Is a that, that's 300 a Okay, so those are different cameras. kinds of cameras. Yeah. SDI okay. um, and FireWire. S video or different interfaces for the ah. capture device. So, okay. um, FireWire being a digital standard, but it's SD. It's really low quality, 720 by 480, if I recall. Okay. So the equivalent of DVD quality, which you think is really really high, because DVDs look good. Yes. But in fact, an SD camera in the same resolution is not going to turn out very impressive video unless you've got a two to three thousand dollar camera. But if you're going to spend that kind of money, you might as well buy an HD camera. And then you're going to get way better quality anyways. Uh, depending on your budget, and that's a big loaded question because you're asking me, okay, well, what do I need? Um, I would suggest you get to cat, cat5.tv slash Wirecast. It's the software that we use. I tried doing this last week. Can I do this right now, Krista? Can we smile just for, for our viewer, Xaver, who is asking this question? I'm going to try to take a screenshot so you can see what this actually looks like to us. Oh. So smile for the camera. How's that? Did I get it? So, Xaver, what <laughs> this software does... Now, I'm really quickly going to go into GIMP and try pasting because what happened last week is then when we copied the show notes and everything, it, it overwrote oh. the clipboard. So we're going to get it this time, folks. You're going to have a screenshot of a live broadcast of Category 5 from within your Wirecast. We got it! Yes. Okay. You're so pensive. I do look pensive there. Interesting. It's <laughs> probably thinking about how I could get the screenshot. So with Wirecast, it's software, and you can plug in as many cameras as your computer can handle, but here's the thing. The more cameras that you have, the more power you need. You ask about FireWire, so I'm going to suggest, yeah, go that route. Give it a try. You can get cheap little FireWire cameras. I wish I could reach one. I can see one right there. We used to use them. They were okay. They did okay. For a live event, they work great. You can run them off of a laptop, and it will still work fantastically well because it's low resolution. You're not going to get HD quality, but you're going to get fair enough quality. It's going to work really well because there's not a lot of CPU overhead on an SD camera. As soon as you jump into HD, you need power and a lot of it. For us to run three cameras, it takes a, a whole lot of power. It takes a computer that is dreadfully heavy to carry around. You wouldn't want to use it for live venues because to move it around is just unbelievably heavy. Um, SDI is another good option if you want to get a Decklink card from Blackmagic Designs. Um, you can get all that stuff from cat5.tv slash bh. But, um, you know, I... I don't know what else to say. Uh, Wirecast has a great forum, a community where you can get in there. Uh, depending on whether you're going to be running Windows or Mac, get into the appropriate forum for Telestream Wirecast and just follow the links. And when you're there, ask the question. There are some very helpful people in the community, such as Craig S., and Craig will gladly point you in the right direction. And I suggest that because that's what they do. We utilize the software. We utilize the technology. We have been here long enough. I mean, we're coming up on our our seventh year. Uh, we're in our seventh year. And and um, so, you know, I've been around the block enough times to know how to do it. But to you, there might be specifics that you are looking for. So lighting is key. Lighting is very, very important for live broadcasting. We are blinded by the lights that we have here in the studio. It's true. I come out with a bit of a tan afterwards. I absolutely do. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't even been in the sun this year, and yet you can see I've got this farmer's tan going on. Yeah, just from these lights. Just from these lights, because I'm here every Tuesday night for an hour. So, good luck. <laughs> Hope that helps. It's a loaded question, my friend. Email me if you want more, if you want to just chat, and we'll just go back and forth together. What else have we got? Do we, we're, we're literally out of time. Say, do we, we have time? I just, oh, I'm so sorry, folks. That I'm that I've I've that talked just, too much. Talk so much. That I've talked too much. Oh. I hope that you've enjoyed yourself though, and that it's been fun, and I had fun. I had fun. Did you? Yeah. So if I had fun, they had. To if have fun. she had fun, fantastic. She even learned to back up first. I know he's so proud. 
I'm like a proud it's mama. Like something finally got through. Just like a proud mama. Really, it is time. (laughs) Folks, have a fantastic week. Next week, Eric Kidd is going to be joining me. We're going to be taking a look at some of these really cool devices from Rico Magic. We've got this MK602. We're going to be taking a look at. Oh yes, it's atop your television and turns it into a Skype video communications unit. We've got all that stuff. The 8024, the uh, the 7022 remote control, the dreamiest remote for your HTPC. It all comes to you from Rico Magic. We're going to be looking at it next week with Eric Kitt. So thanks a lot for being here with us. Thanks, Good Krista. Stuff. No, thank you. Have a fantastic week. Thanks. See, See ya. you guys. We hope you enjoyed the show. Category 5 TV broadcasts live from Barrie, Ontario, Canada every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. If you're watching this on demand or through cable TV, check out the local showtimes in your area at Category5.tv and find out when you can watch live and interact in the community chat room. Category 5 is a production of Prodigy Digital Solutions and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 2.5 Canada. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. 